Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Talk to us about uh, money. How, how, how does money flow? Because you got, I mean, basically, finances yeah. are the big obstacle. It's a big question for everybody. Yeah. It's a reason a lot of guys are quitting right now. What what goes on? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Actually, we just we just hosted a podcast on this as well. Um, and we had Timmy Veith, who is the finance director at the KC Underground, and we interviewed him. Uh, because we've picked our brain on this kind of thing too. I, I said to Timmy, I said, Timmy, everybody has dreams and aspirations until they look at their checkbook, right? And and then it's like, oh, okay, you have this kind of come to Jesus moment. It's like, Jesus, we really need you to show up. For us, uh, because we started towards, you know, a prevailing model, we had prevailing model uh, uh, kind of financial structures from the beginning. And we're working on kind of shifting on those, but we're still in those in that transition. We had four main streams of income from the very beginning. We had our denominational support. We had uh, six churches in our area who are also connected to our same family of churches that are our backers. So those are the first two. Then we had um, personal support that was fundraised and continues. That's ongoing uh, fundraising. And then the fourth is uh, tithes and offerings from team members. Uh, at the beginning, that would have been our church members, but now we, you know, we call folks team members um, because they're part of the team, and then and then uh, people that are down the road are disciple makers. That's the term that we've chosen to use for uh, the people that will lead Discovery Bible studies and eventually simple churches. So, um, yeah. Oh, here, those here, here, those four streams still exist. Yeah, me. but they won't. In they, the won't. they won't. One one of the things that I know is again coming back to some kind of a central teaching from time to time is you get to teach on tithing and uh and and then that that builds that stream the thing i want to point out uh not to you but to whoever is listening to this is that what luis is doing is extremely low overhead and so basically you you you've got some website costs you've got some rent a building costs um, you may have some curriculum costs and you have some salary costs, yours for, for one thing. And that's not a lot compared to what we normally do. You know, when I was running a church, uh, we were anywhere between 34 and 40, well, really 34 and 39% salary costs. And uh, the building, well, you know, we were in a public school for years and years. We were like 16 or 17 years in public schools out of the 27 years I pastored that church. You know, we we only got we only got to use the land we bought toward the end. We we had a fifty four year lease and we used up eleven or twelve years of it just getting a building permit. Um, but when we moved to the building, good night, the overhead just just went crazy. Yeah. And if if we could have you know gone back to public school, we would have in any time. Our uh, our water bill was greater on because we had twelve acres of land and, and you had to water the whole thing. Our water bill was greater than the rent we'd paid at the public school, and we would, 
if we could have been guaranteed the use of that school, you know, as long as we wanted it, and we could have had it on Saturday nights because we got it on Fridays and Sundays only, we would have just stayed in the school forever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you, you know, talk to us a, a little bit about how you foresee um, developing that income stream in terms of tithes yeah. and offerings. Also, are you going to go Bible? Those two two things are important, I think, to people who are thinking about this and a little afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about money, um, one of our values is generosity, right? And I think part of that is modeling generosity before the team members and before the people that you lead and leading in that. Um, and, And we were, I had a good friend of mine who is in philanthropy, who um, wrote a book called When Money Goes on Mission. And he was in my small group that I led when I was on Whidbey. And he, um, and, and he kind of mentored me in, 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 in things having to do with money and, and church. And, um, and he says, you have to start talking about money from the very beginning, um, yes. because, because uh, it's not something that you can just get away from. And so Having Rob in my mind saying that, I said, well, then it has to be one of our values from the beginning. And it, has to, it can't just be tithe and offerings. It has to be the way that we live our lives. It has to be the way that we spend our time. It has to be the way that we, because disciple making is costly, but it, I mean, it, on all fronts, right? It costs money to make disciples. It costs time. It costs resources, et cetera. And so we talk about it. Um, and now, not that everybody gets it, right? Because different people are at different parts, but we, we're not shy about it. We actually have another meeting, which is our an advisory team meeting only once a month, um, uh, just after, just with a, a few people, just after our uh, equipping gathering on that first Sunday. So our first weekend is really packed. We got first Friday, we got first Sunday, we have an equipping gathering, and then we have an advisory team gathering right after that equipping gathering. But one of the things that we're doing is having a financial update every single time at the advisory team level. Um, and, and that financial update is given to us by our finance director, who used to be the treasurer at this church, um, where I'm sitting at right now. And he's seen, you know, their budget is really big, you know. And so he looks at ours, he's like, we're fine, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to watch spending. We need to keep giving. We need to keep doing this, this, that, and the third. So we we keep talking about it. That's the first thing. And we, and we made it one of our values because we know that we're not going to be able to skirt around the issue. The second thing is I did go bivocational. I went bivocational in September. So I work with a ministry called Apartment Life. Apartment Life seeks to create community. It's They call it a business stream model. Uh, it's business and it's a ministry at the same time. It, it really provides pastoral care to residents within an apartment community. And in my specific apartment communities, I have two. Um, they're like under-resourced apartment communities. I'm able to provide um, uh, resources for rental assistance, clothing assistance, food assistance, and that kind of thing. So we throw events to create community, and then we also provide folks with assistance. And I really see that happening down the road. And we've asked, we have another guy that's on staff with us. I said to him, dude, you got to do the same thing. You know, you raise some money, but you also have to get another job. And so he's recently um, started driving Uber um, Eats and doing other things. And he's looking at getting 
a substitute job at one of the local schools where he lives. So I, I want to um, ask you a little bit more about apartment life. I've, I've heard, mm -hmm. I can't even recall who it was. Somebody else is doing this. Uh, is that, are you able to touch the lives of those people spiritually? Yes. So the expectation is, in fact, apartment life has, um, uh, <laughs> they have these metrics. It's funny because it's like, it's funny, like you have to report on this kind of stuff, but it's like, you know, X number amount of spiritual conversations a month, um, like one gospel presentation a month, uh, X number amount of church invitations a month, um, you know, and the property management company knows that we're Christians, but they really care about, you know, what we would call this pastoral, you know, pastoral care. They just care about the people aspect, right? They like, they don't want to deal with the people aspect. They just want to see that money, that their rent is being paid. Okay. My job is not to collect rent, sure. but my job is to create an environment where if people are struggling to pay the rent, I know where to send them and I know where to, where, where, where to, you know, give them those resources. So, so yeah, they, you know, when I write reports at the end of the week, I don't tell the property management, Hey, I've prayed for X amount of people, but apartment life does want to know that. So that's why it's this business stream model. So is, is apartment life only in uh, underserviced communities or no no that's brand new in fact the underserviced community aspect is they just started that that and senior care facilities during um COVID-19 they saw this rise of so what ends up happening is so this guy from Texas starts this ministry a couple of de decades ago there was this church across the street and you'll you'll like this Ralph there's this church across the street from this mega church in Texas but they realized that nobody from this, uh, sorry, not church, there was this apartment complex across the street from this mega church in Texas. And they realized nobody from that apartment complex was coming to the church across the street. And so this guy said, well, he was a new believer at the time. He goes, well, well, we just need a couple of people to move in there. And if they move in there, then, you know, they may not come here, but they, we can start churches in that apartment building. And, and the way I understand it is that happened and it took off. And then what ended up happening is, they created such community within those apartment buildings that it's not necessarily found that people did not want to move, right? Because typically people stay in apartment buildings for a short period of time, their family you know, grows and then they end. So their goal, people hire apartment life, they bring them on to their properties so that uh, renewals go up because there's a sense of community. Yeah. More people, more people are looking out for one another. The yeah. crime goes down. Uh, it feels like a neighborhood. Uh, and um, and so it's not been traditionally in underserved communities. It's been traditionally in just, you know, uh, traditional apartment um, complexes and apartment communities. And so now they've started doing this. And so we're, at, again, at the tip of the spear, starting a new program. They call it uh, Strategic Initiatives. You know, every, everything needs to have a fun, pro, a fun name. So we're at, at the tip of the spear, the Strategic Initiatives, and which is fun for us because there's not really a road paved for it. But we're trying to figure out what systems work in the traditional sense and how do we need to pivot some of those systems because they're not going to work in the you know, strategic initiatives world. You know, the, uh, the impression I had being with you in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were meeting in an urban church in, in what, Ballard, Washington. And I, the, I was told by somebody, and I'm sure it's not totally true, but I was told that there's no pastor of a church in Seattle proper who lives in Seattle proper. Is I'd love to do it. 
in the city limits. And where we were at, the only parking was on the street. It was paid parking. There was one city lot right adjacent to the church, $12 for four hours and up. So that's what the church is dealing with. That's the only parking that's there. Probably a hundred-year-old building, gorgeous building. Gorgeous. And well done inside. But then the thing that alarmed me, they, they were throwing up an 18-story office and, and condo uh, structure while we were there a block away. And then I saw two lots, you know, we used to cry about, well, they tore down all these houses and turned them into parking lots. And then I saw the cyclone fences around what had been parking lots, which means they're going to be high-rise condos. And and everywhere we go, there's parking in the underground of the condos in that whole era area. And you know, you can't plant more churches physically in that place because, I mean, you kind of expect that congregation to eventually sell their property because it's worth so doggone mm-hmm. much money. And so this idea of apartment life, I, I mean, what I'm hearing is um, it's a bivocational opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to penetrate a culture. Mm-hmm. And possibly it's an opportunity to get into, you know, community space or whatever they have in a building. And, you know, again, we're, we're, we're looking if, if, I mean, I, I mostly pastored in suburban areas. When I was in Honolulu, Hope Chapel, Honolulu, the last church, uh, somebody lost the apartment that they were meeting in for a micro church. And I go, well, let's just meet in somebody else's apartment because they were crying about it. And they go, there's no parking. None of us in any of our apartments have any guest parking that can sustain our micro church. Mm. And, and so what they did was, they went to a um, a grocery store that had a food area, and they started meeting in that grocery store. We found that sixty percent of of our micro churches in that church, and we we've, we're real heavy into this, so we had quite a number of them. Sixty percent plus were either meeting in a food court in a mall, uh, in just open tables in another mall, um, in um in, in these grocery store places in McDonald's or in Starbucks. Right. And it would it, it was what you did in an urban area. For us, you know, we we begin to extrapolate from there. We actually do this in the beginning. Uh we we did we intentionally didn't get an office because we wanted to cut overhead. We didn't want to hire a receptionist to answer a phone. So we had no phone. That became a, a kind of a joy we'd get up and say, you know, if you don't know somebody who knows my phone number, you're not probably a member of this church. Uh, you're a spectator. Uh, we love spectators. Just be sure you throw money in the bucket on the way out the door. Uh, but, but we, you know, our, our, uh, our baptistry was extremely expensive oceanfront property. They have these mm. beach walks, you know, between properties they're, they're like $10 million houses on both sides of the beach walk. We'd go down there and baptize people. Uh, we had a, a this gorgeous urban park. It was kind of up on a high rise. You got a beautiful city view and an ocean view. That's where we did our, our public gatherings like you're doing on the Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did a lot of things. We rented a movie theater on Sunday mornings, and that was a, a great thing. Er, we, met, we met earlier. Uh, they started, They kind of opened up at noon. And so we were in there for five hours every Sunday morning. Cost a fortune, but it was really a blessing. It cost way less than than leasing property, you know, twenty four seven. We were paying one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year for five hours on Sunday mornings, but that's way less money than uh, even just leasing a building. So there's all these things, but the thing that I'm hearing out of you is, is this apartment life thing is really really intriguing for me. What, what do you think the outlook is for that? Is that is that 
going to become something that other guys listening to this right now ought to be going, oh my gosh, I want that website. I want to know more. Sure. Um, apartment life, actually, the way that I'm doing it is actually the way that it's not normally done. I am not living on site. I have I know a guy who runs micros in Seattle proper who is also doing apartment life. I didn't know this before we met, um, but he actually gets to live at the property. He and his buddy from college live on the property and actually provide pastoral care for that and create events and stuff. And he pays in Seattle, right? Listen to this, just 30% of the market rate for his rent. And so, which has allowed him to be among the people that God has called him to be and not be able to, you know, otherwise he wouldn't be able to afford to live in Seattle proper. And so he's, he runs two micro churches um, and he um, is developing a, a, he's, you know, a network of, of micro churches as well. So that's the prevailing model of apartment life. What I'm doing is a little bit different. I'm actually offsite. Um, but yeah, apartmentlife.org is the website. Um, you know, that you'll know more, learn more. They're always looking for people. Last I checked in the Portland area, they're, they're all over the country. They're also in England. Uh, and so if you're looking to be able to connect with folks uh, on a personal level and to help create community and to really, it's like mission, right? Like if you're looking to move to a specific place um, to kind of what we say, live, work, worship and play among the people that God's called you to, this this might not be a bad thing to look into. That's really cool. Is there anything you would just like to say? I and mean, we're kind of winding this thing down. Is there anything yeah. that you want to tell? I mean, we're I, people who are listening to this are generally people who are, are in the trenches. They're not mega church pastors. They're, they're not living the easy life. They're, right. they're, they're in the struggle. And, and we're in this tumult. We're in this post-Christian era. Uh, things are changing and they're changing rapidly. Uh, we're having to infiltrate. Uh, I, I read a lot of books about World War II and lately mm-hmm. I've been on a binge about how they infl- infiltrated France from England uh, during the war. And, the, and, they, and they, they were discovering new tactics as they went. They didn't know what they're doing when they started. That's yeah. kind of where we're at today, I think. We, we don't know where we're going. COVID, I think, helped us in a way because it gave us a glimpse of the future, kind of threw us into having to do some online and having to, to divide into microgroups. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're out there where a lot of us aren't yet. And tell, tell us just anything you'd like to say to us before we wind yeah, up. Yeah, here's the thing. I think we started with this verse in, in mind. It said, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain, right? I think it always has to go back to Jesus, right? And that the focus is on Jesus and that Jesus is the central, you know, uh, most important thing that we keep our eye on. And 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 I, I'm going to be vulnerable, kind of like the way that you were vulnerable that day where, you know, you had your scruff and stuff like that. This season, for many of us, but I'm going to speak in the eye, has been really disoriented, really disruptive of a lot of rhythms, really disruptive of a lot of kind of just things that, I, in, my, in, in my experience, were like things that helped me to connect with Jesus. Um, we talk a lot about strategy. We talk a lot about, you know, um, the ways that we do this and, and, and the disciple making methods. I think we can get really caught up in, in, the, in the strategy and the methods um, if you're wired to try to see systems and to multiplication and stuff. But if you forego, if I forego my love for Jesus 
And, and we may see some growth in the short term, um, but in the long term, I think uh, we're, we build on sand. If, you know, people would say like the thing that you use to draw them there is a the thing that, that you have to use to keep them there. So whether that's, you know, lights in a fog machine or whether that's personality and strategy. Um, but if it's Jesus, when the world falls apart, Jesus isn't going anywhere. Recently, I reached out and I and I said, "Man, I'm I'm parched. I'm dry. I I I need the Lord. I I have I see the flywheel turning, and I see that in 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 two to three years we're gonna see a lot of movement. We have these amazing relationships. The Lord has given us grace, but I don't want to get to the place where all of these things are happening and I'm not rooted in the Lord. And so I reached out to um, one of my leaders and I said, "Hey, man, I I need to take like a." A retreat and I need a spiritual director. I need someone that's going to help. I'm, my rhythms are all messed up even since COVID and not that because I, not because I don't love Jesus. It's just like, I haven't been, I had COVID. I haven't been able to reconnect in the ways that I had before. And so if I'm going to lead people to Jesus in a genuine way, I need to have a genuine relationship with Jesus myself. And so that's what I would say to people is you, you can't take people where you've never been, especially as we're exploring these new things. Um, and, and Jesus has to be the one that takes you there for you to be able to take other people there. So keep the main thing, the main thing, keep, keep Jesus at the center. Um, and if it's in the cards for you to grow into this really big thing, great. But if it's in the cards for you to change just a few dozen lives, that's great too, because you never know who you're going to reach. And who they're going to reach. So that's that's what I would end with. If somebody's listening to this and they'd like to know more and make contact with you, what would they do? Yeah, feel free to reach out to us on um, www.simplechurchcollective.com. That's our website. And there's a contact us page right there. Huh? Uh, there's a podcast there also for you guys to listen to. And we focus on micro church and leadership development on that podcast. Feel free to listen to that as well. But it's been great being with you, Ralph. Been amazing. Thank you. Thank you, man. I'm 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 stimulated. I'm excited about this, and this is uh, it's probably going to turn into a couple of podcasts. This is really good. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at RalphMoore.net.